Hi, this is Dr. Jose Saldivar with another episode of the Way to College podcast. And um, this podcast for me has been um, a, a bit of a luxury and an opportunity, so to speak. So um, when I was young, younger, um, you know, I went away to college, uh, attended Stanford University, and I remember feeling like I was the only a person um, from, from my area of the world in South Texas. And I think the first person I met, the other person I met from South Texas, not that there weren't other people, but this was the, the first person I think I met. Um, it was my guest today. And he's doing phenomenal things, amazing things, I'm sure. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself to, to our listeners out there. So Aldo, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, everyone. Um, so yeah, uh, my name is Aldo King. Uh, I... Um, was originally from South Texas, um, went up to Stanford, um, got my my um, BA in economics at Stanford, and then just hung around the, the Bay Area for a while. Um, I was, uh, I mean, I was I was I was blessed. Um, I you know came across this company called Google at the time. Uh, was an early employee there and did well for myself. Um, Use them to, to travel the world a bit. Uh, worked for a while in India. Worked for uh, even longer bit in Ireland. Uh, came back to the United States for uh, business school again at Stanford, um, and um, then got lucky again, I guess. And then uh, fell in with Facebook when they were still a small company, uh, and did well. Um, since then, I kind of worked in uh, in tech ever since. I uh, took a job in Canada for a while. Uh, last five years or so have been in, uh, in London, uh, working in the tech scene here. And then uh, just recently, uh, due to COVID, uh, moved back to uh, California, this time in Los Angeles, where I'm working on a, a new venture that will hopefully launch soon. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's my background. Wow. <laughs> that's a, that's a lot. <laughs> You've done quite a bit. Aldo, thank you again for joining, joining me. And, um, you know, I ask all of my guests if they had to identify a point in their lives where they'd say my educational journey started here at this point, where would that be for you? <laughs> uh, that started for me at, um, three years old. Um, at that point, um, I was in South Texas. Uh, my family was not very well off by any means. Um, by random coincidence, uh, an aunt of mine moved down from uh, Las Vegas to stay with my family. Uh, she had just been getting uh, out of a divorce. And so um, my family took her in for a while. And um, at that point, I spoke predominantly Spanish. Uh, I knew probably a few words English. Um, got really attached to, to my aunt. Uh, she uh, taught me to speak English. She taught me to write. Uh, she taught me to read. All of that um, before I entered kindergarten. Uh, so in that way, I was I had a bit of a head start in South Texas. Uh, I got in there um, and pretty much didn't need to do anything because I was already uh, kind of leaps and bounds ahead of the other kids who, you know, for, for that area, for the most part, people were still trying to figure out what the English language is because they had never heard it at home. Um, and so um, it gave me a leg up there. 
uh, and I kind of took that advantage and followed it through every kind of every subsequent year uh, up until I you know graduated from high school and you know graduated at the top of my class uh, and used that as a as a ticket to to go to undergrad at Stanford. You um you talked about the influence of your aunt um, and you know recognizing the significance of that. I mean, I, I don't know how old you, like you said, you, you know, you, she came into your life, you were three, mm-hmm. taught you to read and write in English. When did you recognize that that moment was significant? Like, when did you recognize like, okay, you know what? I am, I'm, I'm ahead of the kids of, of my peers. Yeah. It, it happened pretty quickly. Um, it didn't really acknowledge it in, you know, kind of kindergarten, first grade, but, you know, come around second grade things things started to become a bit obvious um one of them was you know at that point personalities and children starts to really start to really blossom uh and sometimes that those those traits are very negative so i was often ostracized because of it i was the only one in my family uh who spoke with my accent uh, everyone had a very heavy uh heavy spanish accent uh you know, just because of the area, they used different words than I did because I was taught to speak English in an American fashion. Um, and that was blatantly obvious, um, you know, even, you know, going through school where, where the teachers spoke with, you know, heavy accents and, um, and you know, sometimes broken English. Um, so it was, it was very obvious at that point that, that I was a bit ahead of the, ahead of the curve. Um, I would like to think that um, you know I I I channel that in a positive way. It was it felt bad um, for quite a long time um, up until um, I kind of found my group uh, about you know sixth grade or so uh, when when um, basically I. I at that point, I got merged into the the gifted program in the district. Um, found other people like me, and then we had a coordinated approach to leave our school district uh, for for a magnet school, um, where not only were we kind of our group within our town, but we kind of joined forces with similar groups from all over the South Texas area, and and you kind of felt at home finally. You um, you talk about your family. You talk a little bit about the area and going to the magnet school. Was that was that you know? And I, I run into students all the time that that go to a magnet school, and I often ask them, "Was that your choice? Was that your parents' choice?" And so I'll ask you: Was that your choice? Was that your parents' choice? Oh, that was a hundred percent my choice. Um, I would like to think my parents were involved in my education, but. Um, I was basically the one pulling them along. Uh, I think they fi- fundamentally, they kind of lost interest when I was about in the third grade or so. I kind of say this very nonchalantly. It's, it's not, a, it wasn't a happy time. Um, you know, I was, I was uh, kind of, left to figure things out for myself um yeah i didn't have the resources of uh of family that have been through similar things i didn't have the resources of friends that had been through similar things um it it just didn't exist Uh, i just knew 
you know, I, I didn't want to be, I saw what was around me. And even in my youth, I was able to, you know, contemplate, you know, is this what I want for my future? It doesn't feel very happy. You know, so the only um, alternative was to go somewhere else and do something else. I didn't know what that something else was, but I knew if I just kept looking, I would finally find it. How does, so you make the choice to go and, and you said earlier, you, you found sort of your tribe, right? You found a group, yeah. you know, that, that you connected with. I, you know, I, I have no doubt there are students like with similar experiences um, who find themselves in situations that, that, you know, to use your words, aren't happy situations would love to change their situations, but don't know, one, don't know how, and two, maybe, you know, clearly you had the motivation. Um, what advice would you give any young person, regardless of where they're at, sort of in their life, but they recognize they don't want to be in that situation anymore. They want better for themselves. What advice would you give someone like that? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, there's, uh, I could try and do an analogy here. Yeah, in in this world, we're all kind of dealt a you know a deck of, a hand of cards. Um, you know where we're when you know the context that we have when we're born, the resources that we have available, uh, our own kind of internal motivation and our own characteristics. And honestly, you just have to do the best with what you have. Um, I had uh, you know the few resources I had were you know, the, the places where I did well at, which was school. Um, you know, I could have, um, you know, if I was, if I was an athlete, I could have, you know, focused on that, but <laughs> that was not my forte. Um, you know, I, I had one thing going for me. And so I put everything to it, um, you know, at the expense of, any, of everything else. And honestly, that turned out to be uh, quite in my favor because, you know, you know, I followed the, the education route and, I started getting, um, I started getting more, um, more options, options that I didn't know existed, um, but then they just kind of started popping up, and so, um, it, it, I think if you stick with what you have, you put your effort into what you have, things will open up. Uh, you just have to keep trying. Yeah, I, I um. I appreciate you talking about recognizing where, you know, if, if, if one is lacking resources, recognizing where do my limited resources exist. And so for you, recognizing that they existed at the school, yeah. right? The school created more opportunities and possibilities for you. And so putting, as you say, putting everything you had into that and into school, I, I yeah. think that's, that's pretty powerful. And, and I think... And when in, in my case, the school didn't work out at times. Um, I was, I was, I was, uh, our group was being used by the school district, basically. They were, they collected the, the smart kids, and I'm using air quotes for this, um, and put them in their worst schools so that uh, they can convince the federal government or the local government or whoever is in charge of funding that they can turn a school around, you know, based on standard, standardized test results. Suddenly, this really poor performing school is being propped up by all of these smart kids. They move in there just for that year, and then they move us to another school. And I had been moved about four times uh, before wow. we finally said, no more of this. Yeah. Wow. 
Wow, that's um, and and I think to recognize that as a student, though, is yeah. really powerful. And to yeah. like, hey, we're we're being used here, right? And yeah. we're not we're not reaping any of the benefits, right? This exactly. is all about the school district. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. Although let's let's fast forward a bit. So you 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 go to a you go to a magnet school. Um, you know, obviously, more resources, better academic preparation there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you make your way to Stanford. So yeah. let me ask you. All all throughout this journey, because because we get asked all the time, right? When we're kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? What did you want to be? What did you want to be when you grew up? <laughs> oh gosh. I mean, um, I, I, I always had a penchant for kind of math and science. So I went to, you know, the, going to a math and science magnet school made, made sense to me. Um, when I was there, I, I quite liked kind of the, the hard arts of, you know, you know, geometry drafting. I thought I would be an architect. And then I found out just how much money architects make. And I told myself, that's a bad idea. <laughs> bad idea. Uh, I still appreciate buildings. I own a couple properties. <laughs> so in that respect, uh, I, I, I'm a backseat architect. Uh, but um, you know, at, at that point, I was. Uh, it was around the time when I was having to start picking schools and you'd have to make a, a some decision uh, at that point. And I didn't know, I didn't know exactly what I wanted. I just knew that um, it had to be in that, in that world. Uh, and, you know, I, I approached that in how I selected my school. I was looking for something where um, I can dabble for a couple more years uh, without saying definitively, this is what I want. So um, Stanford had a very uh, smart program where they gave you um, exposure into a lot of things at first and then, you know, let you, you know, if you, if you knew what you wanted, great, you can get started right away. If not, there was no pressure to, to declare anything until, you know, junior, senior years. Uh, and even then, I think there were some people that probably waited until the final year. Uh, but while I was there, you know, I, I dabbled in computer science quite a bit uh, and really found the, the, the economics program to be quite captivating in the way that it's numerical um, fundamentally. Um, and I also discovered that I didn't like, you know, coding at uh, two, three in the morning uh, in dark rooms, you know, constantly. That wasn't fun for me, uh, but I still love technology. And then, you know, it just kind of worked itself out in a way that I was basically working in a non-coding world, a role in a lot of technology companies ever since then. Uh, and the, the, the marriage of my uh, exposure into technology as well as the exposure into economics just was, was perfect for that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you know, um, so I started the podcast, you know, I've been with the university for a long time and I do consulting work on the side, working with high schools and recognizing, I think, like your own experience, I, I didn't go to a magnet school, right? I went to one of the public schools here in South Texas, but I had, I had a, I had a gentleman who intervened in my life and in the lives of, of like, you know, our top 10, top 12, right? And pull, would pull us aside and say, 
you you can do better and I want you to aspire more and and I'm going to help you right and so a lot of my you know I had a group I had a tribe I think like you that I think I we'd been together throughout most of our you know educational lives and and so for me sort of recognizing the the opportunities that I had um and seeing that not a lot has changed in South Texas. Like, it's like, you know what, I would, I'd love to do more. I'd love to, to share at least even my knowledge and some of the stuff that, that folks never tell young people. Mm-hmm. And so I, I created the podcast because, because of that, but then also because I find a lot of young people come in really anxious and stressed out about adults telling them they've got to have it figured out already. Yeah. And... And most people I know, most quote, you know, adults I know, didn't have it figured out at 18, 19. A lot of them, even through these interviews, a lot of them are like, I'm still figuring it out, right? I'm shifting jobs, I'm changing careers. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was gonna major in, or I majored in something and then I'm not doing anything with that. And so I appreciate you being deliberate about, you, you were looking for a place that allowed you to dabble, right, and to explore. And so I really appreciate that. So thank you for sharing that. You, you graduate from Stanford, did a degree in economics, and then, like, upon graduation, did you, were, were you any more solidified and you're like, ah, this is what I'm going to do now for the rest of my life? Or what came next for you? Uh, panic came next. Um, I, I wish I could say that upon graduation, I, I knew exactly what to do. Um, I graduated at one of the worst uh, markets ever. Uh, it was uh, 2001. Um, all the technology companies that had developed in you know the the five ten years leading up to that that year um, had peaked and had jumped off a cliff. So in my department, everyone had all of these jobs. They may not have been for tech companies, but they were, um, you know jobs that were affiliated with the tech industry, you know, taking them public, uh, banking for them. Uh, Suddenly all of those jobs disappeared and there were many classmates that had offers in hand, you know, just waiting, just waiting, waiting, waiting for graduation so they can get in the door and start working. And then only to have those offers rescinded before they could even start. Um, uh, So that was bad. And then topped by the fact that Stanford's not a cheap school. Uh, and even though um, I had, you know, a fair amount of help from, you know, uh, from financial aid, um, there's still a lot of money to put on my back yeah. um, for someone that had never had, never really worked before. And so um, I wish I could say I had it figured out, but I didn't. Um, I did things to kind of protect myself. Uh, I immediately went to work for the school. Uh, knowing that I could, um, you know, upon graduation, at least continue um, working for at least uh, some amount of time to kind of weather out the storm. Um, and, you know, there were quite a few of us that, that uh, I discovered subsequently that did kind of the same thing um, and just kind of found the, the companies that had survived that crash um, and rode the roller coaster on the way up. Um, so, I, as I said, I, I wish I said I, I could figure it out. Um, I I didn't know what I was doing when I started. I took, uh, you know, at that point, um, Google was an unknown tech company with no money. 
no no revenue no you know hardly any sort of notoriety outside of the university um and they needed they were looking for people to work in customer service because they were starting an ad product and i didn't care what the job was um i needed a job <laughs> and so i took it and then once i was in the door there um and i realized that you know what exactly was available to do in a company like that um i immediately yeah i, I think i lasted in customer service all of two months before i got um put into a different group and then i created my own group and then quickly started uh, making a name for myself in the company wow <sighs> going in and, and there at google um i i think i imagine somebody in your positions thinking thank god i have a job oh absolutely um but it sounds like it also sounds like you know, like you said, you were able to create your own group um, and you made a name for yourself. Was that was that your intention all along? Was it like, I'm going to make a name for myself? Was it or was it did somebody take notice of your skills and your ability? What was uh, it? I, I, I owe quite a lot to um, uh, this lady named Cheryl Sandberg, um, who uh, is the COO at Facebook now. Um, She's the one who spotted me. So um, basically, you know, in customer service, no one knew how to run that department. No one knew what that department should be because it was literally a product that had that had just started. And so I was seeing what other people were doing and, you know, was just very quick to suggest, you know, you, you guys are making decisions. Shouldn't you make that decision with some data? Um, and if you don't know what decisions to make, just give me the data and I'll take a look at it. And that's basically what happened. I said something. Uh, she was running. She had been brought in to run that group um, as her first job at Google. And um, I was basically the only one who showed that initiative. And she said, fine, do it. Here's the information. Uh, liked what I was doing. And then basically um, was her right hand person for you know, the five, the five years that I spent there. Wow. What comes after Google, Aldo? More searching, more searching. Uh, I was, uh, I, I, I can't say that that was like the end, end all be all of jobs. It was a ridiculously amazing experience in that, um, you know, I, I was handling some of the, the biggest challenges that the company had on my own with a lot of autonomy. Um, you know, basically the way things worked was um, Cheryl would need to answer a, a question uh, that, you know, would be uh, presented to, to the heads of the company. And she would tell me what that question was and she would tell me, find an answer. And so I would then, you know, use my resources and my connections uh, in, in the group to dig up the data, uh, come up with, you know, tell me, you know, read, read the tea leaves and find out what it's, what it's saying, project out some, some future state, um, package it together in uh, a way that's easy to explain and, you know, gave her the deck and then she would, you know, walk me through it and, um, you know, teach me about how to take, take what I started with and how to present it in, a more concise way, a more executive level way. Um, and then um, she would 
take that to to you know the the CEO and the founders, um, and we would do that over and over and over again. Um, and so it was wonderful, but you know at some point. Um, it got to the, it got to the situation where um, all the work I was doing was basically highlighting how um, if things were done if if things were prioritized correctly within the company uh, we could avoid all of these problems and so I wanted to get firsthand into fixing the problems instead of being the guy that reported that the problems were going in the wrong taking us in the wrong direction uh, and so. Um, I knew that that job needed to be, you know, it, it, it hit its conclusion, it hit, it hit its peak. Um, and um, I didn't know what the next part was, but I knew that um, I needed additional, an additional signaling device to say, hey, I'm, I want to try this other thing. And she suggested business school. So I applied to business school. Um, and then uh, with the idea that, uh, you know, a business degree will help me, you know, I see product managers with business degrees. I, I, I see executives with business degrees. I'll go there and I'll do that. Um, yeah. And um, <laughs> conveniently enough, uh, she moved from Google to Facebook uh, and that right as I was finishing up my, my MBA and immediately wanted to hire me uh, to work in product for Facebook uh, in the ads world doing this, addressing the problems that um, I was highlighting at Google that they never did anything about, you know, to hopefully do it preemptively at Facebook when they, when they launched their ad product. Uh, so it was a wonderful, uh, wonderful time to, to, to really switch careers and, and do something else. Aldo, let me ask, because you said you spoke up. Yeah. Right. Cheryl Sandberg noticed you because you spoke up and you, you know, questioned or pointed out something, right? Yeah. People are often reluctant to do that. Yeah. People kind of sit back and I, I, you know, I don't want to make waves. I don't want to call attention to myself, but I mean, it, 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 it sounds like, and I, and I feel like for, you know, I, I always encourage people to speak up. Um, it sounds like it paid off for you. Um, was that just, is that just naturally in you? Was that something that, that you learned? Was it, why did you speak up and nobody else spoke, speak up? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I don't necessarily think I spoke up immediately. I think my nature is to observe, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm kind of channeling back to when I was, when I was a kid, uh, observe what's going on around me. Uh, realizing what's working, what's not. And then when I realize that, you know, the steady state isn't good anymore, do something about it. And so that's basically how I've approached my jobs. Um, you know, in, in the case of Google, I was looking around seeing how the department was being run um, and that it was run blind, basically. So, you know, anything could could improve it. And I knew that everyone was strapped. Everyone was running because, you know, the train was moving at the station. We didn't have enough people, you, you know. So to me, it was a perfect opportunity to say, hey, I'll take this on if you have it. Because I know that it might make everyone's lives a lot easier if we find the right things to work on. Um, and, you know, it just resonated perfectly with the, the culture of the company at the time. Wow. 
is that a is that a characteristic that's you've carried through with you in all of your work oh absolutely and i you know now that i'm kind of in that era of my life where i'm you know a, in the senior management side, it's something that I try to encourage the people that work for me to do. Um, you know, by no means should, um, you know, management be considered, uh, you know, know-it-alls that, that have everything figured out. We're human. We have oftentimes as much information uh, as the, the people on the front lines. And sometimes the people on the front lines have more information than, than management because they hear it firsthand. Um, and so, um, so long as things are being raised in, you know, a productive manner, a manner that benefits the company, if, you know, if they get what they need, then by all means, people should speak up. You know, I, it, it's, it's, I'm not saying that you should disobey or go against <laughs> orders, but, you know, if, if your, if your senior managers are good managers, um, they should be listening. And if they're not listening, that's a red flag to go get another job. Awesome. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so you're at Google, you go get your MBA, you move on to Facebook and you know, you, you were looking for these signs, right? When did, when, you know, when it's time to leave a job, when did you know it was time to leave Facebook? And, and then what was next for you? What were you look? What were you seeking? Yeah, um, I think as as I as my career progressed, I I was looking for opportunities to have more impact in the company that I was working with. Uh, so uh, when I started at Facebook, it was my first job in product. Understandably, uh, you take baby steps handled a few products decently well, um, but the company started to grow. Uh, and then they started bringing in more people. And then the scope of what I was working on started to shrink uh, because there are more people uh, involved. So, you know, my influence was a couple pages and I started to lose interest in that because to me, it was like putting me in, in a box. And the box yeah. get, kept getting smaller and smaller. Yes, there are more people using it, using my products, because everything's getting bigger. But the scope of what I'm doing is a lot smaller. Um, and so while I was at Google, um, I, I didn't necessarily want to get out of being a product manager. <laughs> but I did want to have a bigger, bigger impact. And so Facebook got in trouble. And they needed to start a privacy group. Um, I very much liked, you know, I, I'm a big reader of public public news. I, I, I follow business news just because that was my nature. Um, and, um, you know, this, this opportunity came up to start a privacy group at Facebook. And they needed someone with expertise in ads. And none of the ads people wanted to do it because they were all, you know, lifelong product managers. They didn't want to get out of their role. And so this was new. I, and it was worth a challenge. It was within my range of interest. And I moved over and I did that for a few years. Um, and it was pretty cool. Uh, you know, hearing things in the media that were very tight, tight, tightly, uh, 
um, <laughs> associated with the things that I was doing in, in the background. Um, so that was, that was pretty cool. But even then, like I started to get feelings of the same feelings I got when I was leaving Google where um, here I am saying, this is what we need to do to fix things. And then realizing that it wasn't necessarily the highest priority for, you know, for many reasons. And so um, I didn't want to be uh, the boy that cried wolf. And worst thing, I absolutely did not want to have like the, you know, the, was it the Cassandra syndrome where, um, you know, I'm warning people and then it ends up happening. Um, so I got myself out of that fire, uh, took some time off and, um, went back into sort of day-to-day product in a smaller company because uh, I wanted a bigger scope. And so uh, I started doing uh, a front-end uh, product work for uh, for Hootsuite, uh, which is a, um, a social uh, social media management app. Um, in, you know, it took me to a different country, which was great. I went to Canada, did that for a while. Um, realized there that... Um, well, first, I, I thought Canada was incredibly boring, <laughs> so it didn't really fill out my 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 social needs. Uh, but business-wise, um, I had a meddling CEO, and um, things I couldn't get forward motion on on what I wanted to do because um, we were constantly being pointed in different directions, uh, and so. Uh, I took that as a sign to try something else and then uh, moved out to London to head and to start and head my own product group, uh, which was the perfect opportunity for me and and um, basically use that to get into the tech scene here um, and then uh, you know went went from that role to another role uh, and then had a happy exit with uh, with selling of, of, of that company just this year um, so um, things have been things have been moving quite well for me because of that although you've come a long way from Brownsville Texas <laughs> oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely um, wow now you're congratulations on 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 the sale and and on and actually everything that you've done everything that you've accomplished in your journey um thank you, you know, as as we as we sort of bring bring things to a close here there's so much that we can pull from your from your your story what what piece of advice would you leave would you leave our listeners with do things that make you happy uh, we had talked about you know pressure to do things and i think um when when i started my my journey there was a lot of pressure for me to um cultural pressure to stay stay in south texas to to, to give back to family, always to give, give, give. Um, but you should give, yes, but you should give to what you want to give. You should take as much as you, as you should, um, because you're on, you're fundamentally the one doing the work. This is your life. Um, you should focus on what you want. Um, and I'm not saying be selfish. 
I'm just saying take care of yourself. Um, there's a lot of happiness out there, um, especially when, you know, having options, having opportunity, um, all of those things are correlated very highly with happiness. Um, and if you feel like you don't have those things, find them and create them. Um, you know, college may not be for everyone. Totally understand. I hire a lot of people that um, that never went to college and are wonderful employees. And, you know, that's probably something that may be happening in the future, uh, more so as college gets more expensive and, you know, salaries don't grow, possibly. Um, but it doesn't mean that you, uh, that that's the only way to go, you know, <laughs> dabble, dabble in in your own projects, dabble in part-time jobs. I had three jobs when I was at Stanford at one point. Uh, and uh, yeah, find things that work for you. Um, and, and, you know, I think as, as you do that, um, the things around you will kind of take care of themselves. I love that. I love that. Thank you. I, um, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> Could not agree more. Um, Aldo, thank you. I know you're incredibly busy um, and setting this up, you know, took a little bit of work, So, I, but I appreciate the time. Oh, my my I, pleasure. I appreciate the time. I appreciate you sharing your journey. Um, and so thank you. Thank you again. Um, and, um, you know, it, it sounds like, like there's still so much left. You know, and, and and whatever comes next for you, right? There's there are going to be countless chapters, hopefully, and and so I, I look forward to to maybe revisiting, sitting down again, and, and talking again later down the road. Um, uh, absolutely, would love to. Um, but thank you again. Um, this concludes another episode of the Way to College podcast. Thank you to our guest, Aldo King, and thank you to our listeners out there. We'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.